What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, virtual group therapy for everyone affected by Tony Stark's Snap. This is as good a time as any to tell you that parental discretion is advised when listening to After the Snap, I say some real fucked up shit. Hey, 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 I'm Tasha Pierce, the not so mild-mannered MC of After the Snap, and I'd like to thank you for coming back to join me in discussing all things superhero, sci-fi, and fantasy on TV and in cinema. And if this is your first time with me, welcome to the show, welcome to the party. Boy, do we have some things to discuss today. Uh, This is going to be like a jam-packed episode. We're going to touch on uh, Toy Story 4 and its quote-unquote disappointing box office. Uh, The Men in Black International that kind of came out and it was a lackluster reception. Kind of explaining some of the -the behind-the-scenes drama that went on during the production of that movie. And in other words, excuses, excuses for a lackluster movie. Let's just put it like that. We'll also talk about Avengers Endgame coming back to theaters and what's going to be extra. What can you expect with that? And uh, Spider-Man Far From Home early reviews. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, just the good because they've all been good. (laughs) And then also, the Make Me a Jedi segment, I'm rolling right along, and uh, we'll be talking this week about Rogue One and my reception. We have some questions from Dr. Doom and Gloom over at From A to Geeks podcast, and if you guys haven't checked out From A to Geeks, you'll hear me talk about them quite a bit. They are sort of like the brother podcast to After the Snap, and they are coming from Canada. Hey. So, this has been a crazy week to me. As far as movie news goes, uh, this Toy Story 4, it opened up to $118 million this weekend. And if you ask me, that's pretty darn good. But Disney projected, I believe their, their projection was $140 million. So the movie did perform short of what was projected. And now there are a million questions about what, what's going on. What should theaters, uh, I'm sorry, what should uh, studios be thinking? What, what should studios be doing differently since movies are underperforming in this manner? I don't know, like, to what degree this is an underperformance. $118 million for an animated feature is a pretty robust performance, if you ask me. But of course, I am not a a movie insider. I'm just another uh, fan, just like you. And these things just may be above my head. Well, here's the issue. Here's what studios are looking at. They're looking at the fact that sequels are not performing as well as the movies before them. So we've had this Men in Black sequel that was plagued 
by all types of issues and problems and it completely underperformed in the box office then you had dark phoenix once again a movie that was plagued plagued by back behind the scenes problems during the production and it underperforms and we had godzilla the godzilla movie that underperformed so they are looking at the fact that these are sequels and all of these sequels are not not doing well in the box office so toy story is just the latest in a long line of sequels that's just not doing well but 118 million dollars is a pretty darn good haul if you ask me and that was first weekend one thing we know for certain especially in the summer box office is that animated films have legs they go on and on and on so toy story may run into some issues when lion king comes out but i still think that this movie has an opportunity to to make up the ground that disney has and and the theaters feel like they've lost with a below expected opening weekend I'm guessing that nine years ago, Toy Story 3 came out to a whole hell of a lot more money, but we're looking at a whole different atmosphere in movies as well. Yeah, so I don't see it as disappointing. If you uh, see a $118 million opening when they had planned for $140 million, if you see that as a disappointment, let me know because I just can't see being disappointed. I can see that, you know, okay, $140 million is definitely better than $118 million, but $118 million is probably, I think, maybe in the top five animated features, the amount that any animated movie has come out to in its first weekend. It's at least in the top five. So I don't see the level of disappointment being super great. I'm not disappointed. I haven't seen it yet. I heard that it is an excellent movie. But this is like, this is just Disney, Pixar. It's just people jumping out the window a little too soon. Because we've also seen Avengers Endgame, which just happens to be the mother of all sequels. And look what it did. And... I'm almost willing to bet that Spider-Man Far From Home is going to do something spectacular during its opening weekend as well. I think that we are going to see a Spider-Man movie, this one, become the first Spidey movie to make a billion dollars at the box office. So that's my prediction. We'll talk more about Spider-Man Far From Home a little bit later in the podcast. But yeah, tell me what you think. Do you think that Toy Story 4 and the the underperformance of all of those other sequels, Dark Phoenix, Men in Black, Godzilla, do you think that it has anything to do with people who are just being uh, fatigued of sequels? Or does it really speak to the quality of the other sequels? Because I'm understanding that, again, Toy Story is right up there with all the rest of the Toy Stories. Toy Story 4 can go right with uh, Toy Story 1 through 3 of being some of the greatest animation ever presented. Let's just say that that is the truth. 
the rest of these movies were kind of, I mean, really spoken badly about uh, Shaft, Men in Black, Godzilla, uh, just none of those, Dark Phoenix, none of those had early buzz of being great. And we also know that we can see when a studio has confidence in what they're putting out or when they're a little bit gun shy. Cause so if they let critics give us early reviews early enough for us to, to use the critics to make a decision on whether to go to the movies, if they allow those, if they lift the review embargo a couple days early, we know they got a little faith in this movie. They feel like, yeah, yeah, we'll let the critics tell you what they think because we know that they're going to think something good. If you're a little gun shy and you don't allow it, like I think they said for Shaft, they didn't lift the embargo until the day the movie came out. That's saying, we just want people to just go see this movie. We don't really want you to take these reviews into consideration because the reviews are going to be boo-boo. Um, we got good reviews for Toy Story 4, but who knows what the reason for people not coming out opening weekend the way they expected. Who knows what that is? I say give it a little time. Give it a couple of weeks <laughs> and see if it, what kind of legs it has. See if it loses steam next weekend. If it drops by over 50% next weekend, then we might need to be a little bit concerned for Toy Story 4. But I don't think we should be really worried about Toy Story 4 right now. So let me know what you think. We're going to go on to the next topic, which was the men in black toxic behind the scenes information. And a lot of the trade magazines have been reporting and I believe it started with the Hollywood reporters they were talking about why they think uh, the movie Men in Black International was not received very well by audiences and they spoke on we have anonymous sources who spoke to behind the scene drama uh, especially between F. Gary Gray, who was the director, and Walter Parks, who was the producer. And what it basically all summed, came down to is a script was produced for this movie. That script was presented to Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Tom Thompson, and both of them said, you know what, great script. This is a movie we want to be part of. So now they came on board F. Gary Gray said, okay, this is the movie that I'm making based on this script. He came on board and they began making this movie based upon the information they had initially. But then this, this Walter Parks, he decided, no, this is not the movie we want. We want to do this. And he and F. Gary Gray bumped heads quite a bit, but because of some wording in their contracts, Walter Parks here had the last say, the final say in doing certain, doing, making these changes, making these different cuts of the movie to the point where even during the fact, even while they're filming this movie, 
Walter Parks was ordering changes to the script, the dialogue. It got to the point where Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson said, you know what, we're going to bring our own guys in to write dialogue for us. So now you've got Tessa's dialogue guy, you got Chris's dialogue guy, you got Walter Parks' dialogue guy, you got the person who wrote the original script dialogue, and then you have F. Gary Gray trying to direct this mess. Okay, so you get some bullshit <laughs> because I'm sorry, that's really what it is because you got too many people, everybody got a spoon, stirring the spot and adding different ingredients. We don't know what the hell this is going to taste like. It's supposed to be gumbo, but I don't know, it looks more like jumbo. I don't know. So, at as it ended, <laughs> there were two cuts to this movie. And before you say anything about the Snyder cut, that is not one of them. Okay, there were two cuts to this movie. There was the director's cut, F. Gary Gray, and then you had the producer's cut, Walter Parks. And they tested both of these movies, and they said whichever one tested the best would be the one they released. But Walter Parks still had the last say. So we have no clue which movie tested better. We just know that Walter Parks' movie is what came to the big screen. I'm so glad I didn't go see this movie. I'm so glad. It just sounds like fuckery, foolery. It just sounds like, gosh, a mess. So, if you watch this movie and you got the idea that there was just this level of bullshit going on backstage or behind the scenes or during filming, if you got that feel, let me know what your experience with men in black international was it sounds to me like it could just be excuses excuses we're just gonna tell you guys something we really was gonna put out a great movie phenomenal movie and then this jackass comes and messes up okay if that's the case sony should have stepped in at some point and said enough with these shenanigans we got this guy f gary gray he is a bona fide hit maker as far as director directing goes so let's let him do his job sony come on holla at me because at the end of the day this is all you (laughs) this is all you so let me know what you think and if you think sony should have stepped in and intervened and and you know made everybody play nice tell me what you think Moving right along, Avengers Endgame is adding a deleted scene to the end of the movie and the post credit scenes and some some dialogue, I think, by Kevin Feige, something like that. So they're adding that to the movie. Is that enough to make you want to go back to the movies to see what additional scenes they may have put together for this? Now, mind you, this is not added scenes within the movie. This is going to be the exact same movie that we've seen already. Some of us two, three, four times. So them adding a deleted scene at the end of the movie in like the post credit area and a little dialogue by Kevin Feige. Is that enough to make us say, yes, I'm going back to the movies to see Endgame one more time? 
one more time for the culture because this could possibly be Marvel trying to get a last minute surge to push it past Avatar. And, you know, even though last week I was just like, you know what, forget passing Avatar. What you guys have done is monumental enough. This might be their way of saying we have not given up on beating this record. And if that's the case, then so be it, so be it. You can try. It's not, you know, I guess this doesn't hurt anything to try. Um, I do believe that there will be a few more people going to see the movie again right before Spider-Man Far From Home. They're automatically going to get that little surge. This would be extra incentive for some people to go back to the movies again, especially those people who've gone to see it 105 times because if you saw it 105 times and the ending never changed, well, at least this time you can get a different scene. Something can be different about it for you. If you paid already 100 times to go see it, what's one more, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned... I don't know if it's enough to push me back into the movies for Endgame simply because that's a big commitment. That's not a small commitment when you're talking about Endgame. You're committing to sitting down for already three hours. So now I've got to sit down for three hours and whatever you tacked on the end. And I don't know if I've got that in me right now. Um, I honestly think that they should have done that a little sooner if they were gonna do it they should have done it a little sooner because now i somewhat i feel i feel cheated a little bit because i've already seen this movie three times and now you're trying to basically strong arm my super fan ass into going to see it once more and i'm not as big a super fan as those people again who have seen the movie over a hundred times but i'm just saying I, I didn't I, I gave y'all money four times <laughs> y'all want some more money from me and they ain't gonna put another movie out too now I gotta go see Spider-Man Far From Home and this extended cut of, of Avengers Endgame it's not fair it's not fair to those of us who thought we were through reliving the, the events of Avengers Endgame so tell me how you feel Do you feel like it was a good idea for Marvel to say, you know what, this will bring them back into the theaters? Do you think that is a good idea? They're trying to get that $40 million that they need to catch Avatar. And do you think it's worth it to try to catch this movie? Do you think that it's that big of a deal? I mean, everybody wants to be big man on campus. I understand that. But look at the look at what you all have already accomplished. If this extra surge is not enough to put us put you over the top, what kind of trick will you will you pull next? Are you going to try to get it re-released after it's pulled out of theaters? Are you going to try for a re-release? I don't know. Tell me what you think about this plan from Marvel. Moving along, speaking of Marvel, we're going to finish up with this Spider-Man Far From Home, the early reviews. The early reviews have been absolutely spectacular, super great. I've not seen anyone say anything negative about this movie. 
the buzz has got me super excited because it's pretty much not only saying, hey, this movie is the best Spider-Man movie to come out ever. This is the best now. And we all remember Spider-Man 2 back way back. So if it's you're telling me that this is better than that, now you, I'm, you, you've got me peaked. You've got my, my interest peaked here. Okay, and then they say, not only that, the after credit scenes are going to blow your mind. There is a huge, crazy twist. And it is the most relevant after credit scenes in any of the Marvel movies. These are the types of things that I'm reading from critics who have already seen this movie. And it's making me say, wow, I cannot wait. So, you know, the movie comes out July 2nd. You know good and damn well I already got tickets to go see it July 2nd. (laughs) However, I'm still very, very uh, interested to know, okay, what, how, what? (laughs) I'm really interested to know what could possibly be the twist. I'm not in like in it to speculate for too long, but my understanding is that the ending of this movie will have us speculating along the lines of the way we did for Infinity War. Maybe just, uh, I, I don't want to say it's to the, the same degree because Infinity War, that was a huge cliffhanger and we were just so invested in trying to figure out what was going to happen next and we were talking about just from one movie to the next this movie uh, spider-man far from home first of all it wraps up phase three second of all it is said that it's relevant to the marvel universe it is the most relevant to all the rest of the movies so this is going to usher us in to phase four and i am pretty sure it's telling us the direction that the franchise is going to take for the next few years and if that's giving us if, if this movie is setting us up much like you know not just introducing uh, a, a, a concept like Ant-Man did for phase two not just introducing a concept but setting a path for the movies if Spider-Man is doing that man we talking a billion dollar movie because once the word of mouth this word of mouth already has woke if, you, if the fan base was asleep if we had any fatigue we're waking up because this has been nothing but good news. It's great to know that the franchise has not fallen off and that we are going to get some hint of to of what's going to what we can expect over the next at least 5 years. And I'm really hoping that it has something to do with one of the big properties that that uh Marvel just got its hands back on. I really would like to see Uh, something being done with the Fantastic Four or at least showing us a path of how we're getting there or something that can be done with the mutants 
or at least showing us a path of how we're getting there. And I believe that we got a hint. Worthy, I know I said I wasn't going to speculate. Don't, don't, don't hold me to that. I know I'm a hypocrite from time to time, but I do believe that we have seen the gamma radiation from using the stones that flooded like huge swaths of area on earth how many times was the stones used on earth at least three times correct so if this has been used at least three times and gamma radiation was released each time these stones were used well then that exposure could create mutants I'm just saying, and and there's a way, uh, something I've read where the the gene doesn't have to be uh, a live gene where people start mutating immediately. It could be a mutation in a gene, and then when those people reproduce, the offspring that they have are mute have have the X gene. They're mutated. So lots of different ways it can happen, but that was just one. But Again, super excited to see what's going on with Spider-Man Far From Home because if we are to believe the critics and that's what they're there for to give us opinions and let's just be realistic, they've been kind of spot on all year long. When they've said a movie's been full of freaking crap, it's been full of freaking crap, right? I'm trusting them this season. (laughs) So they say spider-man far from home is the best spider-man movie and i'm saying you're gonna have to prove it you have to prove that it's gonna touch that's that uh spider-man 2 i i just i have to know that it's going to the sam raimi not the uh the <laughs> make sure that we know that i'm talking about sam raimi's anyway Okay, and before I get into Make Me a Jedi Rogue One, I'm going to talk a little bit about that some Star Wars news that hit the uh, the hit the airwaves this week, and it created quite a bit of buzz in the fandom. And you know, I'm becoming a part of the fandom. I'm not a vocal part of the fandom, but you know, I've been I've been watching the movies. <laughs> I've got an opinion on some things, but this thing I don't have any opinion on. And it is the fact that Lucasfilm appointed Michelle Rejwan as Senior Vice President of Live Action Development and Production. So in essence, this Michelle Rejwan is the Kevin Feige to the Star Wars franchise. Now, uh, to some people, that came as quite a shock and surprise. Uh, they feel like her resume is just a little light to have gotten this big, uh, this big job uh, as far as being the person who is going to oversee the, the, the production of all live action Star Wars projects for the foreseeable future. To her credit, she has worked on uh, the one movie, I believe. She's worked with J.J. Abrams in the past. So she has uh, plenty of years of of being an associate producer under J.J. Abrams. But as far as uh, just being a producer, 
on a project. She has been a a producer over this episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker, which none of us have seen. So we don't know how good, (laughs) how good a job that she's doing. Now, uh, this could be a vote of confidence because uh, Kathleen Kennedy and company know that, hey, remarkable job that they did on this movie that none of our fans have seen yet but the fandom is saying you know this is a big job and you're giving it to somebody who is mighty green i'm saying well let's let her work speak for for her let uh she she may have shown that she has uh storyboards and everything made up because she has a definite direction that she wants to see the franchise go in and plenty of great ideas where she's taken the ideas of uh fans, uh, directors, uh, George Lucas himself. We don't know. If Yoda came and talked to her, we don't know. Force ghosts and all of that all around her, we don't know. She'd be having Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and Yoda, and uh, Anakin, Skywalker. All of them may just be giving her, feeding her information. So let's give this woman an opportunity. Now I'm saying this because I really don't have a dog in this fight. From, from where I'm sitting, the franchise, from what I've seen already, the franchise has treated me pretty well. Um, there are a lot of Star Wars fans that say this franchise just keeps letting them down. And I'm saying, well, duh, that happens when you are overly invested. You got to be like me and just join this thing. And then you kind of okay with whichever way the train goes, uh, as long as it doesn't wreck. So I say, let's give Michelle Rejwan, now Senior Vice President of Live Action Development and Production, let's give her an opportunity to uh, prove her mettle, to, to, to prove her worth. She's got a very beautiful smile, I can say that, I'm looking at a picture of her. She's a young lady, which means that she could very well have lots of years of uh, Star Wars Star Wars movie production production ideas in her head because she's a young girl or a younger lady. But yeah, so tell me what you think. I got a feeling I'm going to get told off for I don't have no kind of feelings about this. And even if I were a diehard fan, I would still say give this person an opportunity to prove that they can or cannot do the job that they've been appointed to do. So uh, I talked about Force Ghosts just a little bit in my little in my little talk about uh, Michelle Rejwan and Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill uh, gave an interview for because of Chucky Child's Play, and you know he's the voice of the AI doll Chucky, demonic possessed or whatever. So Mark Hamill was asked if this was going to be his last. Star Wars movie and he said oh god I hope so he said oh god I hope so I thought the last one was my last one but you know Star Wars has this thing where even after you die you get to come back one time as a as a force ghost so this gives us the impression that Luke Skywalker is coming back as a force ghost thanks a lot for ruining a whole lot of shit for me Mark Hamill thanks a lot But in the meantime, people are like, well, how dare he speak about the franchise like that? 
He's speaking about the franchise like that because you guys dog him out. You talked about his last performance as Luke Skywalker in in uh, the what was what the Last Jedi or with the Force Awakens, whichever one that is, was that was last. Y'all talked about him like he had a tail. Now he didn't particularly uh, like the direction that they took with the character. They took the character from the original trilogy and turned him old and bitter. Now me I actually liked that I I don't know you know if you have a different opinion let me know I uh, guess I'm telling where I am in the movies huh but let me stop then I won't I won't say anything more we'll talk about that when we get to that uh that movie but did we ever stop to think that certain actors who have been a part of a, uh, a franchise for years and years and years and then suddenly they don't want to be associated with it too much more is it because of the toxicity of the fan base you think that might have something to do with it because i wouldn't want to perform for no toxic ass people either and as in fact you know I put this podcast out week after week after week after week and I do it for the people who get some type of entertainment value out of it like my point of view on things or whatever but if all of a sudden I was getting attacked I'm not feeling any love and I'm getting attacked week after week after week I probably wouldn't do this shit I'm not getting paid for it now now Mark Hamill I'm pretty sure he's getting a pretty handsome sum for uh, reappearing in the Star Wars movies. So that should tell you. He's still a working man. He's working. He did the voice of Chucky. We've seen him working in uh, in other franchises. Uh, animation. Voicing other animated characters. Uh, so we know that Mark Hamill is still a working actor. He's saying he don't want to do no more work in the Star Wars, the Star Wars franchise. And that should say something to you if you are a toxic ass, complaining ass, whining ass, entitled ass fan. Now, yes, there are all franchises that we have all put a whole lot of our our uh, emotions we're emotionally involved i'm emotionally involved with the star trek franchise and that's a toxic fandom as well trust me i know it's even worse i think than star wars to be quite honest with you we know that i am uh, definitely down with the marvel franchises i've been down with uh dc as well we know how toxic that shit can be so the honest to God's truth is maybe we should look at the way we treat the people that we think uh, or the, the people that we owe the success to these franchises that we love. We need to reevaluate how we treat them. Talking to them like they ain't shit. Uh, <laughs> blaming them for this and that or just talking complete and total shit. I don't blame them. I don't blame him. So yes. Mark Hamill is hoping that he does not have to show his face in the Star Wars universe again. And that's sad. 40 years somebody can do something or be a part of something. And all it takes is y'all whiny motherfuckers. 
one one year of you whiny ass people was enough to be like fuck it I don't want to do this no more I've had enough so um so now I guess I can jump into row one make me a Jedi the rogue run the rogue one uh, episode of make me a Jedi and let me tell you let me tell you, the row one was uh it was a surprise for me. The biggest surprise was spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All the main characters die. They're all killed off. So there's nobody left to cross over into the the main Star Wars storyline. And I did not expect that. I did not. I mean, these people. They gave them such robust personalities and made you want to know so much more about them. And then you get into the movie and that's it. You They, they all die. <laughs> so I, I still enjoyed it, though. I still enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was awesome that we experienced most of the story from Jen Erso's point of view. My favorite character would have been Jen. But, but then I met and instantly fell in love with Sharut. Sharut? I forgot how to say his name. But yeah, you know who I'm talking about. I thought his mix of Jedi Master and Martial Artist was the best thing I never knew that I wanted. I never knew I wanted a Jedi Master to be this level of Martial Artist. And the man, he would just walk through. He looked like he was just... The calm, the calm in the storm. That's what he looked like. And uh, yeah, I was filled for, with so much hope, hope for the next chapter, even though um, I saw the next chapter in the 70s before Rogue One was even dreamt up. And then unironically, the next movie is A New Hope. Uh, so yes, I did truly, thoroughly enjoy this movie i thought okay this this acts this blah, blah, blah. so this movie stood by itself and made sense of where we ended in the prequels to where we started in the original trilogy and i thought that that was uh very well done absolutely well done and i thought that the acting was pretty decent yeah i liked it now Per usual, I've got some questions from my good friend, Dr. Doom and Gloom, and let's see what he, what he, uh, posed to me this time. So, young Padawan, or should I say apprentice, Padawan is the word of the Jedi, whereby now you should have begun to realize the power of the dark side of the force. <laughs> As always, I have questions you will answer. Number one, who was your favorite character of the Rogue One crew? Not that it matters. <laughs> okay, so my favorite uh, character, again, it was Sharut. I think that I'm saying his name right. I have a, I got to watch it again to be able to make sure that I'm saying his name right. But uh, that was my favorite character. I thought it was going to be Jen Erso, but he just kept getting better as the movie went on. And that 
ended up being my favorite uh, character in the movie. How fucking badass was Darth Vader in this movie? The little screen time that he had. Uh, let's see. What, what, what? Let me go back to my notes for what I wrote for Darth, Darth Vader. Okay, Darth Vader was as intimidating as ever in this movie. If this had been my true first intro to the character, it is quite a convincing demonstration of his power. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations. So that line all by itself, like the pun in the line, <laughs> Darth Vader was dropping jokes and science on this man. Had him choke with the with the force choke. Oh my goodness. So yes, yes, I agree that Darth Vader did put on a badass performance in this movie. Let's see what my last question from, from Dr. Doom and Gloom was. Out of what you have seen so far in current podcast timeline, not where you actually are in watching these movies, what Star Wars movie would you like to see made and why? And then he says, we will watch your career with great interest. And that's a quote from one of the movies. It's actually from uh, The Phantom Menace. Uh, you have already watched, but which? The Phantom Menace. And it is when uh, Emperor Palpatine, he wasn't an emperor at that time, so he was a senator. Senator Palpatine was meeting young Anakin, and he's looking at him like, oh, proud pervert uncle. Oh, you're going to watch your your career with great interest. Oh, and we know how that turned out. So, <laughs> so that was sincerely Dr. Doom and Gloom. To answer the last question, out of what I've seen so far in current podcast timeline, what Star Wars story movie would I like to see made? I'd like to see the story of Saw Gerrera. You don't just, you don't just introduce Saw Gerrera in this movie and just be like, okay, enough of you and kill him and don't tell me anything more. Now, I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me that this is in one of the cartoons that I wasn't able to see just yet, but I'm telling you the Saw Gerrera story has to be told, must be told. If it can't be told in a movie form, you have to let me know exactly where I can see his story. Okay, and I would also uh, make a movie that expands on the story of uh, the Sith. So most of what I've learned about the Sith has come from the point of view of the Jedi. That's like the Catholics teaching me about the Protestants in 16th century Rome. Um, I acknowledge that by the time I was done with the prequels, I knew enough about the dark side of the Force to go that away. <laughs> but I want to meet some more of the stormtroopers and Sith Lords, etc. So overall, overall, I enjoyed Rogue One. Um, I definitely got bamboozled by the ending. I, I was because I really was expecting to see these characters move on. And even though I should have realized that they couldn't move on, but I expected to see them at some point again. And here we are. They're all dead. Yeah, so I really did like it. I would love to see a Saw Gerrera movie. I'd love to see a movie that just experiences things from the point of view of uh, a stormtrooper or a lesser Sith Lord or 
whatever. And uh, yeah, I gave this movie 3.5 out of 5 lightsabers because I really did enjoy it. And the next movie is A New Hope. So we are going into the original trilogy and uh, starting there next week. I will be discussing how I felt about uh, re-watching that movie with a little understanding, a little bit more understanding than I did when I was a, a, a little person, uh, and how I felt, you know, as far as anticipation for seeing the rest of the original trilogy all over again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is that... So, tell me how you felt about anything that I talked about today. Or if you'd like to share something else, you know how to catch up with me. You can do that at afterthesnap at gmail.com if you want to just send me an email. Or you can find me on uh, Facebook at afterthesnap, Twitter at snapafter, Instagram, which I'm rarely on, is afterthesnap2018. You can donate to the podcast by going into the show notes and clicking the link where you see where it says support this show yes you can support me there or you can go to patreon.com slash after the snap if you'd like to make monthly contributions to the show there's tiers for that and everything you'll see it all there you will also be able to help a sister out just by listening to the show on radio public so if you uh, are a person who listens to the show regularly go over to radio public listen to my show there and each time you listen you'll be contri- contributing a very small amount to the store to the show but every little bit helps so if you can do that for me i certainly certainly appreciate it uh, next week like i said we will be talking about uh, uh a new hope and whatever else is going on in the stratosphere, atmosphere, in the multiverse, we may have some some stuff that I can talk about as far as the uh, as far as television is concerned. Because I don't have a movie that I really want to see between now and then. The only movie that I can think of that's coming that I'm like I gotta see it, gotta see it is Spider-Man: Far From Home, and we've got uh, uh, at least one more show before that one comes out. So. We'll do that. We'll talk about uh, what to expect with Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, We'll talk about A New Hope. And whatever else you guys, if you guys send me topics, whatever you guys send me. If you don't send me topics, I'm going to find topics. We're going to talk and chit-chat and have a great big old fun time. And since I've got nothing else, I'd like to thank everyone for joining me here on the show and if this was your first time please come back join us again next week tuesday same bad time same bad channel and since i've got nothing else i'll catch you on the flip